you need power to move. If we never fight, it's a battle we'll always lose. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Groundswell Podcast. Today, I'm so excited to be with Marta Monti, our Director of Project Development here at Groundswell. Marta, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yes, I am Marta Monti, and as you said, Nora, I'm the Director of Project Development with Groundswell, and I'm very excited to be chatting with you today. Very excited to be chatting with you today, Marta. We're so excited to have you here at Groundswell on the ground working on all these new exciting projects. Could you maybe tell us what brought you into the clean energy field and here with Groundswell? Of course. I love that question. Uh, I like to say that I have had a very circuitous route uh, to get where I am. Um, but really, when you think about when I think about it, it all kind of feeds into it itself uh, and works together. So I uh, I started in my geez, back in high school working in kitchens um, and restaurants, and I cooked my way through college and undergrad. Uh, but I was studying political science at the time, and after I finished undergrad, I I was a little burnt out, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to stick with cooking because food doesn't talk back to me. You know, I didn't have to have debates with it. Um, so I started cooking um, and then I got involved in uh, urban agriculture nonprofits and working on food justice and uh, food access issues while working in restaurants. And then I slowly found that food actually does talk back um, and it has something to say. It's important where you get your food from, when you use it. Um, and how you use it and who uses it. And so that spurred me to want to make a bigger impact. And and I thought that I could do that by going to uh, graduate school and studying public policy um, and seeing how I could have a larger impact on the food system. And from there, I was doing some food waste studies, uh, which led to me studying about uh, waste to energy conversion. Uh, and that was how I dipped my toes into the energy field and then I continued my research and work um, and did some work on high voltage transmission lines in the Midwest. And uh, further from that, I uh, started working in small wind and solar. And that's my journey to the energy industry. So that's when I, why I say it's a circuitous route. Um, and then prior to working with Groundswell, I've been working in the Midwest uh, for the past number of years. Uh, expanding solar and solar access, um, so going into communities that um, that weren't that didn't have a lot of solar yet, um, and helping build up the local economy, making sure that there were installers there that could um, uh, meet the demands, the growing demands of solar. Also working with municipalities to update their uh, codes and permits and permitting processes to enable solar and make it a little more solar friendly. And that was all well and good and I loved it. But what I found was that the people who I was enabling uh, and helping get solar were the people who could who could get it, right? It wasn't the people who could really benefit from the benefits of solar, of cheaper energy and uh, relieving that energy burden. So when the opportunity came, to work with Groundswell uh, and to really put people first and to build community power, I jumped on the opportunity. 
Thank you so much for sharing your journey of getting here, Marta. It's just, it sounds like you're in the perfect place now. And honestly, all of your experiences are kind of a culmination of just coming to this role and just really, you know, providing energy services and alleviating energy burdens to those that need it the most, which is super impactful. Um, that being said, a lot of your work centers around energy resilience. What does energy resilience mean to you? Another great question, Nora. Uh, to me, energy resilience really is energy justice. I see energy as a basic human right, you know, just like food, just like water and shelter. We live in a society in a place where where energy shouldn't be this this far, you know, hard to reach and hard to manage a resource for us. So uh, energy resilience to me means fixing and doing better with what we have going forward. So we've got this energy, we've got this large grid, we're all connected through our wires, but it needs a lot of help. It needs uh, some innovative ways and different ways from the past um, to get our power. You know, in the past, we've had big power plants that would generate uh, energy by burning coal and then shipping it on our high voltage transmission lines to cities and towns where it's needed, right? And a little nerding out here is that we actually lose a lot of our energy just in that process of getting, of moving the energy across those wires. But if we are generating that energy, which is free coming down from the sun when we capture it with solar panels, uh, it doesn't have to go quite as far. So that in of itself is energy resilience. Energy burden is a huge issue and energy resilience is something that we work towards every day in our various projects around the country. What current projects are you excited about right now, Marta, and, and why is that? Oh, I'm excited about all of our projects, of course. <laughs> I'm a little biased. Uh, so let me tell you about some of our programming. We've got a couple main types of programming uh, that really address this issue of energy burdens. Uh, first are, is our community solar programs. We have community solar projects in Illinois, Washington, D.C. that really serve the community and, and address the issue of energy equality and lowering the energy burden on people's energy bills. So that's one direct route that through our programming that we address energy burdens. And the second uh, are, are our resilience hubs, which are near and dear to my heart because uh, they're really uh, they're really kind of like a novel concept still. This this concept of combining solar and storage in one place to keep the lights on, to keep a place cool or warm uh, when the power goes off in an emergency um, and and figuring out how they can go into communities and help the day-to-day -day, as well as serving as a, a resilience resource in that uh, time of need and emergency um, is really what excites me. So uh, let me tell you a little bit uh, about some of our hub projects. We've got a, uh, a number in development uh, already in Baltimore um, they are really leading the way um, and paving the way with, with our Resilience Hub work. Um, and they're exciting to me because they're some of the first to take advantage of the, um, the Inflation Reduction Act direct pay directive, which um, 
which basically means that now there are non-taxable entities are able to take advantage of the tax benefits that the government has providing for taxable entities for a very long time. So what that means uh, in more layman's terms is places like nonprofits, churches, even municipal governments and their associated uh, buildings and structures uh, can take advantage of these tax credits when they couldn't previously do that. Um, and how much are these tax credits, you wonder? Um, it's, it starts at a base of a 30% um, tax credit on projects, and then it builds from there. Um, another 10% if you're working in a low to moderate income uh, community. Another 10% if you use American-made products. So there are really a lot of incentives out there uh, in the gover- like from the federal government uh, that uh, are finally available. And our Baltimore hubs uh, that are currently in construction are going to be the first in the country to take advantage of these direct pay benefits. So it's really exciting to see this work come into fruition. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, to starting to celebrate those uh, once we get them built. Another really exciting uh, resilience hub project area that we're working in is the Plex community in Rochester, New York. Um, and this one is unique, uh, or this project is is unique because we are looking at, at developing multiple community solar sites within the community with community ownership. So another uh, really big part to me, of energy justice is the economic justice that comes uh, with having solar and being in charge of your solar. Just like you said, you know, energy has been commodified in such a way that it makes it inaccessible to the common person, to you and me, right? So uh, in the past, it's been difficult for nonprofits, community organizations, places of worship to own, uh, have direct ownership of these community solar sites and our uh, resilience hub work. Um, And so these Plex community uh, solar projects in Rochester uh, are helping us create that model that we can use all over uh, is our hope and goal um, uh, to, to really facilitate community ownership and, and keeping the wealth in the community rather than sending it out to some third-party financer. Um, and finally, uh, one of our, uh, an, another initiative that we're working on uh, is uh, building up resilience hubs in the Midwest. And we're starting in Illinois, uh, starting in the Southland of Chicago and Peoria, um, this is near and dear to my heart because I didn't mention this before, but I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, and based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I'm uh, I'm spearheading our initiatives out uh, here in the Midwest. And as I said before, this concept is new and uh, there aren't many resilience hubs out here yet. So uh, we are trying to pave the way to make them a commonplace. Awesome. Thank you so much for explaining all of these projects. I think a theme that's consistently that's being brought up through our program areas is 
community-owned, community-owned clean energy, community-owned partnerships and community-owned development. And I think with, with what you mentioned with the Inflation Reduction Act, it's going to be so groundbreaking for our Baltimore hubs to just be the pioneers in taking advantage of these tax credits because I think showing successful community-owned resilience projects through the IRA could influence more people to kind of start taking advantage for the first time of these clean energy initiatives because before a lot of low to moderate income communities have not been able to really get in on clean energy initiatives, especially when it's owned and therefore giving back to the community. So I think this Inflation Reduction Act partnered with our program areas and just thinking about future expansion, it just really has the potential to just become something amazing like across the country. Also just touching on what you said with expanding to the Midwest, I think it's so fantastic that you're the person to lead out this project because you really have a vested interest as someone born and raised in the Midwest and, you know, bringing energy resilience back to your hometown is just, it's fantastic. Why, thank you. I agree. I mean, this this work is needed everywhere. Um, so I'm just excited to be a part of Groundswell's effort to, to just bring this all over the country. Absolutely. And we're so lucky and excited to have you here, especially leading those projects out. In your experience with Groundswell so far, has anything specifically stuck out to you? And I know it's a bit early so far, but have you had any learning lessons and experiences as you start to you know, break ground on these new projects and initiatives? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, another thing we haven't mentioned is that I am I'm still pretty new to the Groundswell team. I'm about... Uh, a quarter of a year in. Uh, so uh, that's why, right, it's uh, it's still early to say, oh, I've got all these lessons that I've learned. Um, and so one thing I like to go back to uh, is when I worked in kitchens uh, and cooking, um, I used to say that everything I need to know, I learned in, in the kitchen, just like everything I need to know, I learned in kindergarten. Do you remember those posters? Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, being able to to critically think, to juggle, you know, any issue that comes your way, any curveball um, that may present itself, you know, that's project development. That's uh, managing relationships. That's you know, spreading the good word. You know, just starting by telling, educating people about what what resilience is, what resilience hubs are, and and what we want to do and how we want to do it. Um, but the other connection that that is always there uh, from the kitchen that really translates over to, to solar is that the margins are so slim and uh, it really, it, it takes a village to make it work. So um, Groundswell is some really great partners. We've, we've got partners set up in all across the country uh, where we've got our projects located that enable us to do this work. Um, and I love how we really lean into that. It's hard when you you want to spread the good word. You want everyone to hear uh, to hear this because you want everyone to participate. Because to us, to me, it's a no brainer, right? Let's develop let's develop these projects in your community. Um, but I am. But that's just it. Let's develop these projects in your community. Um, at the end of the day, we are still an outside group coming in to a community to do this work. And it's really far better when you've got partners in the community 
that are just as invested as you are so that, you know, it's their community, it's their, their neighborhood, it's their residence, it's their hub. That's why we put people first and uh, this people-centered approach really helps us be able to dance around those narrow margins and make these projects work. So really, at the crux of it is that this work is for the community and needs to be done by the community. And we're just helping enable it and facilitate it. I agree. I think our people-centered approach is is critical for the success of so many of our projects. And just going back to what you said, as someone who has worked years and years and years in the service industry, I will say you learn so many lessons that are applicable to what we're doing here today. Just having to work with so many different people and meeting people where they are and all different walks of life. I think it really changes you as a person. And, you know, people don't realize how many of those lessons that you can take, especially in a job where you're so, there's so much community interaction. And, mm-hmm. and that's just something that stays with you. Yes. Do you want to write one of the chapters for my book? Yes, I would love a little author's book here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But honestly, what you've been speaking about before, it just makes me so excited for the future of clean energy, especially, you know, your story of bringing that back home to your hometown and then just with the further expansion throughout the country in mind. Um, What do you see for the future of clean energy, whether it be community solar, resilience hubs or more? I love it. I've got I got lots of ideas for the future. I love taking the power back and having it in our hands and having the people make the decision of how it's used and where it's used. Right. So, and solar, solar is the way to do that. Um, You know, when it's on your roof, on your property, it's yours once it's paid for, of course. Uh, And that's the challenge uh, that we help overcome at Groundswell. Um, But that's what really excites me. Um, You know, keeping, keeping the power, and the equity and the wealth generation that comes from producing your own power in the hands of the people that need it the most. Um, That's what excites me. I would love our hubs to become one-stop shops in the community to to really help help the community just where, wherever it needs it the most, right? So, and when I say a one-stop shop, we didn't really talk a lot about what uh, what our resilience hubs do uh, specifically on the day to day, because they it all it differs from every location. So, um, building upon the good work that communities, uh, that organizations and communities are already doing, we want to help bolster that uh, with our with our resilience hubs. Um, whether that be through uh, lower energy costs um, on the day-to-day, uh, whether that is also additional uh, storage uh, capabilities that come from batteries and, um, and resilience. So, um, you know, I really think the sky is the limit and our imagination is the limit when we think, when we start to think about how our resilience hubs can be modeled and created in our communities to really help some of the long-term challenges. You know, solar installations have a lifespan of 20 to 25 years at least. That's what's warranted usually from the panel manufacturers. And they produce energy far beyond that. So, um, you know, getting how to get solar and storage in a community once 
once it's in there, it's there for a couple of decades. Um, and the co-benefits that can be had from that is just what really excites me. Honestly, like you said, the sky is the limit. And I think our projects here are just a stepping point to just equitable, clean energy futures. Um, I just wanted to bring up, I think a lot of times, especially speaking about the program area and the projects, we kind of don't see a lot of the behind the scenes work that Groundswell does in our various program areas. So I just wanted to take this opportunity to bring up the labs department in Groundswell and how the research initiatives and data science really drive the work that we do as well as further market transformation through showing best practices, case studies from solar projects around the country. And I just wanted to hear, Marta, from your perspective as someone who is in the project development side, how does this research that we do at Groundswell, how does that influence our program areas and our program design? Yes, we are so lucky to have this R&D labs department uh, led by Dr. Elvis Malika with our team. Uh, it just, it's an invaluable resource, really. Like you said, um, from, from the research, we get replicable models that we can use uh, all over the place. We get best practices of how to engage with communities and, and how to present this information in a way that will be the most useful for them and for us. And really, I mean, it's unique to have this expertise on a team like this at our disposal when, uh, when thinking about development work. As we have said, you know, we're, we, we're people, people-centered. We take a people-centered approach. That means that we don't just go into a community and say, right there looks like a great spot for a hub or a community solar project. So we're going to build right there. And really that's kind of what sets us apart from other general developers. They don't really take in a lot of things into consideration um, other than is this land good and can I get connected cheaply uh, to the utility? Um, not how can this really benefit the community in a way that is the most beneficial? Can people walk to this location uh, in times of emergency and need? Uh, that sort of thing. So uh, with our labs and R&D team, they're able to take a deeper dive into research, into data, into getting, getting that data that we need. So we've got federal data sets, we've got state data sets, local data sets, and beyond that, there are data sets that just aren't even published and uh, being able to communicate with the community um, to get that information uh, to really inform our work is is just completely invaluable. So I feel so lucky and blessed to be working with Dr. Elvis and to have him as a resource. We are very lucky indeed. And honestly, what Dr. Elvis is doing, especially with this Lyft project, it's one of its kind, which is so we're so lucky to have him because those research projects and those case studies from each solar project and showing models of successful solar projects and financing not only helps us as an organization, but it helps clean energy futures everywhere because other nonprofit organizations or solar developers or even churches can take the data from these projects that we, we are doing and use that to replicate it in their own communities. So it's, it's not just benefiting us, but it's benefiting the greater, the greater community. And, you know, in, in data is answers, is stories. 
right? And Elvis does a great job. Dr. Elvis does a great job of pulling those out and and presenting them in a way that makes it clear how to take the best advantage of them. So, so yes, exactly. I agree. And I, I really love what you said there in data is stories and answers. Honestly, Elvis, like he should probably put that on his LinkedIn or something. <laughs> <laughs> but going back, we talk a lot about a people-centered ap- approach. And I think that really speaks to Groundswell's values as a whole and to the values that we all share. Speaking from my own experience, my passion for the community in DC and the greater area growing up here really makes me have a vested interest in my community and what's going on. And so it makes me think for you as someone who has grown up, born and raised in Milwaukee, seen the Midwest and is now in a place where you're spearheading projects in the Midwest, you know, it makes me think of the frontline communities that we serve. And growing up in the Midwest, have you experienced yourself or seen examples of energy burden? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it really is everywhere. You know, you pick a pick a part of the country and the answer is always going to be yes. There's there's evidence of energy burdens everywhere. But but to me, when I think about the Midwest, some of the first places that come to mind are Chicago, Detroit, St. Louis, my hometown of Milwaukee. And really, I think of the damage that segregation, redlining, and intentional discriminatory planning has done and how it has really shaped these cities. And I say this uh, as someone who has either lived in all of those uh, these cities or spent a good amount of time in them. And you can see firsthand, you can be on one side of the street and you're looking at a well-kept manicured lawn, nice house, and across the street is a boarded up abandoned house that has graffiti on it. You know, you can be on in a nice part of town one minute and then the next minute you're in an area that doesn't even have functioning streetlights. And that's the part that makes me so mad. I It's infuriating, really, because like I said earlier, I believe that access to energy and affordable energy is a basic right. So like we should, you know, if you're in a major city, like one of the four that I just mentioned, you should have a working streetlight. I don't think that that is such a controversial opinion. Uh, so I'm getting all worked up. So, you know, I, I really just believe that energy is a basic right that we should all have access to. And beyond just seeing, you know, I've, I'm talking about poverty, really. Um, but beyond that, you know, I know what it's like, just like so many know what it's like to have to choose between paying for medicine, paying for food, or paying to keep the lights on, right? We talked about our years of experience in the service industry, and let's not sugarcoat it. You do not make enough money to really thrive in in these cities that I just mentioned on a, a service industry salary. And I, I just don't see a need for that, right? I think we're advanced enough. We have all the tools that are necessary to address these issues. And now it's about making it happen. Energy energy burdens are everywhere. And I am just thrilled that I can use my passion to address this issue. Thank you for your experiences and everything in your journey that has brought you here today. Because although you've only been here not too long, you can see how you've hit the ground running with so many initiatives. And you can see how your lived experience really influences the way in which you interact with the community and just your drive and your passion. So I'm so excited not only to have you on the Groundswell team, but for you to join me here today and to just share some of your lessons and your insights and, um, you know, just keep up the good work, honestly. 
Oh, thank you, Nora. I loved it. Anytime I get to talk about this work, I jump on that chance. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you for spreading the good word. Of course. Always. You need power to move. If we never fight, it's a battle we'll all.